Okay, we are ready to be in the planning board meeting of June 10th, 2021, and we're going to start with a vote on going to closed session. Could I get a motion to go into closed session to consult with counsel to obtain legal advice? So, uh, Jerry says she so moved to go in closed session. Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous, so we'll take just a minute to turn off the public feed and go into closed session.
Okay, we are ready for the consent agenda. Could I get a motion on the record, Platts? Uh, Jerry Sissi, uh, approval of the record, Platts. Gustav, I'm a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Aye. That's approved unanimously. Could I get a motion on approval of the Bethesda Downtown Sector Plan Park Impact Payment Adjustment? Uh, Jerry says she's so moved on the payment adjustments. With downtown Bethesda. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? That's also approved unanimously. The uh, minutes from May 27th. Jerry Sishi, move approval of the minutes. Christopher, a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Aye. That's approved unanimously. Uh, and it's time for the planning director's report. Thank you. Um, I'm going to do just a very brief uh, director's report, um, talking a bit about some of our projects, but I also want to focus a little bit on our um, on our staff and some comings and goings that we have. Um, as you all know, uh, we're very busy with Thrive Montgomery 2050 right now. We're getting ready for the plan, uh, County Council public hearings. We'll be doing an overview and a presentation to the full council next Tuesday, June 15th. Uh, there will be one public hearing the night of the 17th and another public hearing the night of the 29th. Um, we have really appreciated um, all the work uh, that has gone into uh, going around and, and making presentations to many, many different community groups about Thrive Montgomery. Uh, we've had presentations uh, that the chair has done, that the vice chair has done, that uh, multiple different staff uh, members have done to uh, get the word out. At the same time, we're also out in the community making presentations on our attainable housing strategies uh, that you're going to hear more about at the June 24th board meeting. And uh, again, we have had staff working diligently on coming up with some initial draft recommendations and we're going to be sharing those recommendations um, with you on the 24th and inviting anyone um, from the community who would like to comment, uh, give them the opportunity to comment. Uh, there continues to be um, a very, very uh, active back and forth of people who have uh, concerns. Uh, we really do feel that many of our recommendations address those concerns, and we're looking forward to going through that with you in detail on the 24th. We have a lot of master plans underway. Uh, we'll be doing work sessions on Great Seneca Science Corridor Phase 1. Staff is working hard on uh, Silver Spring downtown and adjacent communities, and you're going to be hearing uh, more about that through the summer. Uh, we just wrapped up our speaker series to kick off the Fairland and Briggs Cheney plan, and that's going to um, uh, involve a lot of staff work over the next uh, few months. 
corridor forward is uh, moving forward and we are beginning to look at, you know, the, the various uh, options to, for study. Uh, you're going to be hearing more about rustic roads, our uh, pedestrian plan, and the kickoff of our Tacoma Park Minor Master Plan Amendment. We're also working on a mixed use study. You'll be hearing more about that. And we're trying to rejuvenate our co-location efforts with uh, some new council staff. Uh, Tina Benjamin, as some of you may know, had been our contact. She has left uh, county government, is working for WSSC. Um, and so we have a new contact in the executive branch who we just recently briefed on the co-location study and how we, we wanna really keep that going. Um, and we remain busy with a wide range of, uh, of other projects. But what I wanted to share is that um, getting all these projects done, what the, the central uh, um, element is that makes it possible is our great staff. Um, we, again, have a fantastic group of staff people, very smart, very creative, but like in every organization, people come and people go. Uh, so I wanted to pull up a PowerPoint to share some of our uh, personnel changes that are going on, some of which are very exciting. Um, and so if we could go into presentation mode and go to the next slide, please. One of the things I'm very excited about is that we have filled the Up County Master Plan Supervisor position that has been vacant for quite a while since Fred Boyd uh, retired. And we did have Ben Berbert filling in. Uh, we did a, a big recruitment though, and we were fortunate enough to have um, a planner, Don Ziegler, who actually worked with us in our mid-county planning team for quite a while back when we were doing the Rock Spring plan. And he left us to live a little closer to home, um, but now he's living in Montgomery County and was really looking for an opportunity to come back to the planning department. And so Don um, is going to be starting June 28th. He lives in North Bethesda and literally within the last 24 hours, uh, just his wife just gave birth to a son. So we're very excited uh, about that. Um, in addition to having worked on a lot of master plans, Don really brings a very unique perspective on equity, diversity, and inclusion. He has worked with um, the APA, the National Capital Chapter of the APA specifically on that issue. And I think he's going to do just an excellent job as the, um, the new Up County Master Plan Supervisor. Next slide, please. I just wanted to say, Don, to Don say. is a really good guy. And uh, shortly after he left, I ran into him. Oh, I was having dinner at my rancho in downtown Silver Spring. And I said, hey, I thought you, you decamped to Howard County. And he's, he kind of gave me this look. And I said, well, you know, how are things going? He said, oh, you know, I kind of wish I was still back working for Montgomery planning and that was like three months after he left so it's it's been a while but uh really look forward to welcoming him back where he belongs 
Yeah, we're, you know, again, we talk about the planning department as a family and sometimes people go off for a while, but we're always happy when they come back. That certainly happened with me. I was gone for five years and then I came back. So, um, so that's great. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about is our summer internship program. Uh, we are fortunate to have summer interns. Uh, we have a group of five young people who are apprentices uh, to the artist who's working on the mural on the north wall of our building. These were young people who had actually responded to the um, request for expressions of interest, but we, we felt like they had, none of them had really ever done a mural of this size and we felt like um, we needed someone who had a little more experience. But we were impressed with you know, their, their initiative and their, uh, their artistic skills. So we were able to bring uh, five of them in um, to actually be apprentices uh, with the artist, Nicole Borgia, who's working on the mural. And these were all, for the most part, local young people, uh, either just out of high school and uh, or just out of college, who are um, you know really interested in becoming artists. And so this is an opportunity for them to increase their skills. Um, next, please. We also have a. Um, intern in countywide planning and policy who is a first year PhD student in urban planning at University of Maryland. We're very fortunate that we continue a strong partnership with University uh, of Maryland. They keep sending us some of their best and brightest and we're really uh, pleased that they do that. We're also on the verge of um, selecting two additional summer interns who are uh, college age, uh, who will be helping us in our um, down county and mid county uh, uh, planning divisions. Next, please. Now on to the sadder side of things where we have to bid a fond farewell to uh, some staff. And the first person I'd like to mention is Henry Mobiani. Henry is our chief of ITI and he has made contributions that are just, uh, it's impossible to, um, to overstate how important his contributions to the planning department have been. He has been in the department for literally 40 years and he has built our entire IT system. It is really because of Henry that when we had to go into full telework that we were ready. We had the computers, we had the Teams um, software already there. Everyone had been sort of trained in Teams. We were able to pivot uh, amazingly quickly. And um, he, has, he has been just one of the best. Um, his, his last day is uh, at the end of June. And uh, Barbara O'Donnell has agreed to be acting chief of ITI while we go through the process of um, looking for a new chief. Uh, that recruitment is going to be hard. Henry has their big shoes to fill, 
Uh, I, I put the word out there that if any of you know incredibly talented IT people, send them our way. We need someone who is going to be, um, you know, not only knowledgeable, but also very articulate and persuasive in moving us, continuing to move us forward. Um, so keep your eyes and, and ears open. Uh, next, we also have a fond farewell to Leslie uh, Seville. Leslie had been um, with the department nearly 20 years and she was one of our most um, important coordinators on issues in the Ag Reserve and the Up County. She was a passionate champion of rustic roads. Uh, she had worked, I think, as you all saw on the Mark Rail Communities Plan. She worked on a lot of Clarksburg issues, including uh, way back when on the ComSat site. Uh, and uh, she was, um, you know, the go-to person for a lot of questions about, uh, about the Ag Reserve, certainly about the Rustic Roads Program. So we're really going to miss Leslie a, a great deal. Uh, next, please. And then the final, final announcement really breaks my heart. Uh, happily, it's not goodbye, but it is a, a change. Dominique Neem has accepted a job in Montgomery Parks, working in their human resources division, and she will be working at the Green Farm. And uh, as you all know, Dominique has just been instrumental during the pandemic in uh, training staff and supporting all of our public meetings, such as the planning board meeting. Um, she has been with the commission since 2014, and we are going to just miss her terribly. Uh, she is, um, she is a, a, a champ in so many ways. Uh, I know she'll do great work at Montgomery Parks, but I'm, I'm mad and I'm gonna start casting my eyes on park employees to see who I can steal from parks to just make it up on Mike that he took Dominique away from me. I have to find someone to take away from him. Um, <laughs> anyway, Dominique, we are going to miss you more than you can imagine. And we wish, you know, again, wish you the greatest, greatest uh, luck and, and fun in your new position. And I believe oh, that, that is Dominique is on the call also, I, I will mention. She's here, so. <laughs> get, on, get on the camera, Dominique. We want to say, very hey nice. I wasn't prepared to come to on say. camera today. But thank you so much, Ben, for those nice words. I'm really going to miss everybody. Um, I've enjoyed working for the planning department. Like you said, I've been here for about seven and a half years, um, and I've learned so much. I've worked with really great people, but I'm not going far, so you guys can still reach me on Teams. Great. Good. Thanks for all your help. <laughs> and that is the end of the planning director's report. Unless you have any questions on any of the, the projects I mentioned. Uh, yeah, Jerry, Sushi, I, I do have one. Uh, you mentioned uh, Thrive 2050. 
uh, after the session Monday that communicate with the confidence awards. I uh, dropped over to see Stephanie Obley, uh, just to visit to see how things are doing generally with Brookside. Uh, we talked a little bit about the CIP projects, uh, which are coming up in our later discussion. But one thing that she asked me was, was there anything in Thrive 2050 about tourism? And I said, well, I'll take a look. I went back in there. I looked at page uh, 112, I, I, the draft that I have or the book was, you know, national prizes that we've won. Page 122 talks about world class places require world class parks uh, when we're talking about the parks. Uh, and I don't know whether they're, you know, we've done a lot uh, with different things. Actually, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, they're having a meeting, they're making awards, and they're putting an award for Business Advocate of the Year to uh, Kelly Groff at uh, Visit Montgomery. Uh, again, it's jobs, it uh, gets people to our parks when they when someone visits you from out of town, you get you have an extra day at the park, if you will. It, it does attract businesses. So I don't, is that something that you've maybe considered putting in something about tourism or is it, you know, we still making minor changes here and there? Well, I think that the document is, you know, now been transmitted up to the council. And so I don't know that we can make additional changes, but I do believe that the idea of tourism um, you know, is woven somewhat into the document, although maybe not as explicitly as it could be. Uh, we did, as you may remember, the whole agritourism study where we talked about uh, how we want more people to visit the Ag Reserve in a variety of ways. And in the parks section of Thrive Montgomery, I think we really do talk about trying to get more and more people in our parks and uh, making use of our parks, and that's residents and, and tourists as well. So uh, again, although maybe it wasn't as explicit as it might be, I think that the, the idea is, is certainly there. Yeah, I think if you get comments, I don't know whether we'll get some comments back from the council, maybe there is a chance if they, you're adding something based on that, maybe that tourism might be just highlighted a little bit, just as a draft adjustment. Okay, no, well, I think that's you. a good good point. Okay, thank you. Uh, when I just wanted to say, this is Natalie. I I've been to quite a few meeting, meetings with your staff recently, and I cannot emphasize enough how awesome, wonderful, dedicated they have been. Even with all the backlash <laughs> we're getting on certain things, they have been incredible just like you are too. I, I was really proud to see you in recent events and how you, you know, put yourself together answering tough questions. And I wish I could be when <laughs> telling myself. Um, so thank you for, for your leadership. That's what I wanted to say. Oh, well, thank you. Some of the meetings, especially about attainable housing have been tough and I don't always keep my cool. There was during that attainable housing meeting, there was a chat and I had talked about how the community I live in, in Cleveland Park, you know, has a lot of different types of housing. And someone wrote into the chat, well, Cleveland Park is a bad example. There's only housing on Connecticut Avenue and Wisconsin. There's nothing in the neighborhood, which just is not accurate. And I didn't want to debate the person. So I just responded in the chat, you are wrong. 
period. <laughs> I know with the chat, like when I'm speaking, I stay away from them. But you, you have been awesome. And Dominic, so you know, I also, I don't want to say I'm going to miss you because she's still in parking planning. So, um, but I'm going to miss Henry. Henry oh. And Leslie, I remember working with Leslie on the Microel Master Plan and she was so cool. And Dominic, I hope I see you in park items or I don't know. I just hope I see you around. That's all. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Natalie. Okay. okay, I think we're ready to um, move on to Cardark Springs Administrative Subdivision, which is item three. Okay, we're ready for item three, Cardark Springs Administrative Subdivision. Uh, and for this item, we have Marco Fuster, I believe, to explain it. Yes, thank you. Good afternoon. For the record, this is Marco Fuster with Down County Planning Staff presenting the Cardark Springs Administrative Subdivision Plan number 6, 2020. 0140. So having um, a little difficulty in that the, um, the presentation isn't displaying at the moment. We've got it here if you need help with it. Okay. Um, Sorry, it's somewhat a new um, format and um, just won't be able to, I just won't, I can't see it at the moment and I won't be able to trace out some of the, uh, the features. Well, if you give us a minute, I think Catherine can pull it up in the auditorium. Or, uh, sorry, oh, there it I is. got it now. Okay, great. Yes, we see it. Okay, sorry about that. Staff recommends approval of the administrative subdivision plan number 6 2020 and the associated preliminary final forest conservation plan and tree state plan, including the variance request 
with conditions as enumerated in the staff report and modified today. The site is 1.07 acres in size, which is the largest in the vicinity. It's located in the R200 zone and within the Palisades subsection of the 1990 Bethesda Chevy Chase Master Plan. So the site's near the Capitol Beltway, surrounded by R200 single-family homes. It's near other homes in the R90 zone. It's also near the Seven Locks Local Park, the Palisades Swim and Tennis Club, and the Carter Rock Springs Neighborhood Conservation Area Park. A final point of reference is the Odinger property preliminary plan amendment, which the planning board approved in April of this year. This image includes an aerial photo of the site. The existing home in the center will be demolished. The existing access easement from Osage Lane will be abandoned. There's an existing Category 1 easement adjacent to the property along the eastern boundary, and the administrative subdivision will create two lots for one single-family detached dwelling unit on each lot. No right-of-way dedications are necessary, as appropriate dedication already occurred as part of a previous roadway extension project. The orientation of this plan view has north side toward the left of the image. The existing off-site conservation easements are shown at the top along the eastern side of the subject property. The proposal includes lot A to the west, measuring 20,246 square feet, and lot B to the east, measuring 26,162 square feet. The larger lot features new Category 1 easements which exceed the forest conservation worksheet requirements and also connect to the existing off-site easements. So lot, lot B also features modified building restriction lines, which further protect the existing and proposed easements. And the building restriction line was roughly traced out along this area. Forest management will also be included in the new easements with, with elements such as removal of invasive species and planting of supplemental native species. New access driveways will connect directly to Tomlinson Avenue. And as previously mentioned, the existing access easement from Osage Lane will be abandoned. A five foot wide sidewalk proposed along the frontage includes a landscape panel. So a landscape panel and new street trees. And as conditioned, even if the sidewalk installation is waived, the street trees will still be installed. As detailed in the staff report, the application proposes impacts to eight specimen trees and the removal of three trees, which are subject to the variance provisions of the forest conservation law. Although one of the removals is a potential removal, it will still be mitigated with replacement plantings, whether or not the removal occurs. 
Lastly, although not highlighted in this exhibit, the plan includes a number of tree save areas and mitigation planting trees throughout, which together further contribute to the character desired by the master plan. Some minor changes and clarifications to the conditions were proposed after posting the staff report. An update to condition three is added to reflect the revised DOT letter, which has been included in the planning board packet and updated on the planning board website. Minor change in the wording of condition nine and 9A remains unchanged. Minor changes to the wording of condition 13B. The application meets all the requirements established in the subdivision regulations and the zoning ordinance and conforms to the recommendations of the 1990 Bethesda Chevy Chase Master Plan. The applicant has complied with all submittal and noticing requirements. The staff has received two letters based on the initial application submittal. The tree preservation concerns expressed in the initial letters appear to have been satisfied by the subsequent plan revisions. A follow-up letter was sent to the chair's office this week and is included in the planning board's packet. The, the letter expressed satisfaction with the tree safe plan revisions, but expressed a remaining concern for potential fragment along the site frontage and supported a fee and loop, a fee and loop payment. However, ultimate determination on that item will be made by MCDPS. And with that, Staff recommends approval with conditions as enumerated in the staff report and modified herein. And this concludes the staff presentation, unless there's any questions at this time. So the condition on the sidewalk just says you're either going to build a sidewalk or pay in lieu if DPS says that that's okay? I'm, I didn't, oh. Right, that's, that's con condition seven uh, remains unchanged, that oh. it's... Um, up to uh, MCDPS, whether or not the the sidewalk gets installed or the, the fee and lieu payment is accepted. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, any other uh, questions? We have the applicant on the line. Uh, if they need to say anything, that's fine, but otherwise we'll just take questions from the board. Uh, I see there's a... Uh, Kurt Schreffler there for the applicant, and uh, Mr. Malachowski. Do either of you need to say anything, or are you just here for questions? This is Kurt Schreffler. We're here for questions. We concur with staff's recommendation. Great. So, so if there are any questions or comments, now would be the time, or a motion would be in order as well. Uh, Jerry says, I'll make a motion to approve as recommended by staff with the conditions the new minute rated in the staff report and modified therein. This is Natalie Fanny Gonzalez. I second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opp Aye. Opposed? That is approved unanimously. Thank you very much. And we'll be back in a minute for item four Harding's subdivision, lot 55 administrative subdivision.
Okay, we're ready for item four, Harding Subdivision, Lot 55, Administrative Subdivision Plan, and Final Water Quality Plan, brought to us by Ryan Sigworth. <clears throat> Good evening, Mr. Chair, members of the board. Uh, I hope you can see the PowerPoint presentation. Yes, we see it. Okay, great. Um, the item number four on your agenda today is a Harding Subdivision, Lot 55. Um, it's Administrative Subdivision Plan 6202 um, <clears throat> This uh, application is coming before you simply because it uh, is located in a special protection area and includes a water quality plan, which cannot be approved administratively. So it's been brought to the board as well, <clears throat> along with the rest of the application for your review and, uh, and, and action. <clears throat> this application, uh, this is the site vicinity, and this application, the subject property is shown in red. <clears throat> the uh, property is surrounded by R200 zoning. Everything in yellow on the graphic is all R200 zoning, and it's all um, single-family detached structures. In terms of where we're at, we're in the Fairland area. You have Briggs-Cheney to the north. Um, slightly off the map to the east is Maryland 29. And to the south, which is just off the map, is the inter-county connector. So we're kind of nestled just to the, to the west of the Fairland area. <clears throat> the property shown here in the graphic is, um, as you can see from the aerial, undeveloped. It's um, 2.6 acres in the R200 zone. It's also located in the upper paint branch uh, overlay zone and the upper paint branch special protection area. It's also located in the 1997 Fairland Master Plan. There are also there is approximately two and a half acres of forest on site right now, which you can see in the in the aerial. Um, and it does have a number of streams on this property as well, and, including wetlands, which I'll get into in a little bit. As I mentioned, the application with in the graphic is the preliminary plan. Um, it essentially takes three platted outlots, which were done in 1988. The plat, I believe, is shown in the staff report. Um, and then in, the, in 1997, there were some other um, applications that never were carried out. Um, this application aggregates three platted outlots from that 1988 plat and creates one, um, one lot for one single-family detached structure. Um, and then preserves the rest of that, uh, the rest of the property in uh, Category 1 forest conservation easement. It essentially creates a buildable area in the front here um, where the house is, and then the rest of the property um, falls into forest conservation easement. As I mentioned, it is located in the Fairland Master Plan, and within that master plan, um, it's designated as the low to moderate density area under their the concept plan graphic. The red star here shows essentially where the property is. You have um, Maryland 29 running um, northward. The objective of this master plan, at least in the, within the scope of this application, um, it wants to encourage uh, residential development and it makes it actually specifies to increase the number of single family detached dwellings because the master plan identified those as the lowest percentage of housing available. Um, the 2018 bicycle master plan doesn't make any recommendations for improvements on Sagebrush Terrace, which is the street that this property is located on. The one lot proposed in this application does not generate more than 50 person trips and therefore a traffic study was not required. 
the existing right-of-way meets the master plan recommendation and there are no frontage improvements required, including a sidewalk because this property is located in a special protection area, which limits imperviousness to 8%. The uh, property is served by public water and sewer, and it does meet stormwater management requirements and fire access, and um, as conditioned, the school facilities testing is adequate. As far as the forest conservation plan, this kind of gives you a better idea of, of what's happening on this lot and the colors since. So as I mentioned, the application creates this building in envelope in the front of the property of Sagebrush Terrace on the right side of the graphic. Um, then you have in the green, the forest to be retained. The blue indicates to the streams and tributaries and stream buffers. In the lighter yellow, you that those are the forest planting areas and then the brighter yellow in the graphic is the clearing and everything else in green is to be retained. And then the, for, the category one forest conservation, forest conservation easement is right on the stream buffer line that's shown in blue here. As I mentioned, the application does include a final water quality plan because the property is in the upper paint branch special protection area, which limits impervious surface to 8%. This application and the graphic shows the impervious areas, which is essentially the building footprint and the driveway. And the application proposes 3.33% uh, of impervious cover. So just to sum up, it does conform with the 1997 uh, Fairland Master Plan. All the public facilities are adequate. It meets all of the subdivision regulations, forest conservation, stormwater management, including the special protection area water quality plan and all of the requirements of the R200 zone. Um, we did receive one letter from an adjacent property owner, which is included as an attachment in your packet. Um, the application did express some concerns, although it did support the aggregation of these three outlots. Um, it was concerned about um, multifamily housing, and um, I believe it was accessory dwellings as well. Um, it had some concerns about environmental protection with wetlands, forests, and um, and as staff looked at this, we looked at, or we, we believe that the application of the regulations for forest conservation and all the other environmental protections that are included in county code, as well as the zoning ordinance, really addresses all of the concerns brought, um, brought up by the letter. And so uh, with that, um, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Um, staff does recommend approval with conditions of Harding subdivision lot 55 which is administrative subdivision 620-210-110 and adoption of the resolution. But I'd be happy to answer anything, any and all questions. Okay, we have, uh, I think, Michelle Rosenfeld and Michael Devine for the applicant. Uh, if they need to say anything, now would be the time. Or if they want to just take questions from the board, that's okay, too. Uh, Mr. Yeah, go ahead. Michelle Rosenfeld with the Law Office of Michelle Rosenfeld, LLC. We're just here to say we support the staff recommendations and concur with all of the staff recommended conditions and would ask for your approval. Okay, very good. Uh, the board have any questions or comments for the applicant or staff? Or a motion, maybe? Uh, Jerry says, yeah, I make a motion to approve as recommended by staff and adoption of the resolution. And this is Natalie Fanny Gonzalez, I'll second. All in favor, aye. 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 
Opposed? That is approved unanimously. Thanks very much. And we'll see you in a minute on item five, which is Miles Coppola pre-preliminary plan application. Good to see you, Michelle. You as well. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Okay, it's time for item five, the Miles Coppola pre-preliminary plan application. And uh, we have Ms. Gonzalez here to uh, take us through it. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. For the record, my name is Angelica Gonzalez with Up County Planning Division. Joining me today is Mary Jo Kishter, Chris Van Alstein, and Katherine Nelson with Up County Planning, along with Rebecca Torma with Montgomery County Department of Transportation. The item before you is a pre-preliminary plan known as Miles Coppola. Staff would like to acknowledge that we do not receive many pre-preliminary plan applications under Section 50. Uh, 5.2.C in the subdivision regulations, there is an alternative procedure for pre-preliminary plan submissions. Pre-preliminary plans can serve two purposes. The first one is to receive advisory recommendations from the Design Review Committee, also known as DRC. In this case, the applicant receives comments and direction from the county and state agencies uh, at, the, at DRC and identifies if the application has ma major issues preventing the applicant to proceed, or two, the applicant receives binding advice from the planning board on specific items decided at a public hearing where the board must act to either one, approve the pre-preliminary submission, to disapprove it, stating and writing the reasons for disapproval, or three, approve it subject to conditions or modifications as the board finds necessary. Once binding advice is received from the planning board, the applicant has 90 days to submit a preliminary plan application that is supported by the board's decision, decision excuse me, at the pre-preliminary plan stage. The applicant in this case has submitted a pre-preliminary plan application and requests a binding decision by the planning board on the proposed alignment of the portion of the future Maryland 355 bypass through the subject property while considering the recommendations included in the master plans. As an overview, staff supports the submission of a preliminary plan and recommends option two for the future Maryland 355 bypass alignment with conditions referenced in the report for pre-preliminary plan number 7-2021-0010. The property is located along Clarksburg Road and north of Interstate 270, a single-family detached residential dwelling unit and vacant land in the R90 zone are located to the northwest of the property. A catering facility is also located northwest of the property that was recently approved for residential townhouse and multifamily development known as Ashford Woods, and that's located in this area here. Single-family detached residential dwelling units, vacant land, a service station, institutional facility, and the future firehouse are located to the northeast of the properties in the CRN and CRT zones. Vacant land, open space, and institutional facility are located to the southeast in the R200 zone. The property is bounded by I-270 to the southwest, as you can see here. Uh, northeast of the property includes several properties located within the Clarksburg Historic District, one of which is the Clarksburg School, identified as a historic site. The subject property consists of three parcels, identified as parcel A, B, and C, totaling approximately 97 acres. The property is bisected by Clarksburg Road, as shown in this image here. It is also located along Clarksburg Road and north of Interstate 270. The property is zoned R90, R200 and CRT and located within the Clarksburg East Environmental Overlay Zone. The subject property is also within the 1994 Clarksburg Master Plan and Hydestown Special Study Area and the 2014 10 Mile Creek Limited Amendment. An NRI FSD was approved for the property 
which map the existing conditions, environmental features, and buffers. The property is characterized as having rolling topography, rock outcrops, agricultural fields, and some forest. Three main tributaries to the main stem of the 10 Mile Creek flow through the property and located within the sub-watershed designated in the master plan as LSTM 206. There is 73 acres of existing forest, four acres of wetlands, and 46 acres of environmental buffer. The features on site include forest, ephemeral and perennial streams, wetlands, 100-year floodplain, and steep slopes. The applicant is seeking a binding decision from the planning board on the preferred alignment of the Maryland 355 bypass through the subject property, as shown on this slide. The applicant has provided two options for the bypass, and both utilize a realignment from the south from Gateway Center Drive, which is located here. The alignments are different in connection to Maryland 355 um, within these portions of the alignment. The applicant will provide right-of-way dedication that can accommodate the ultimate alignments for either option one or option two with the ultimate cross-section to be determined by the preliminary plan. Before analyzing the two alignments, staff would like to provide background information on the Clarksburg Road Network. The 1994 plan proposed creating neighborhoods in Clarksburg that would be oriented towards pedestrian and would maintain connections to the overall transit network. Within these neighborhoods, the 1994 plan aimed to incorporate a hierarchy of roads and streets that would allow through traffic to the bypass, the developed areas and the town center's historic district connect streets within neighborhoods for improved local improvements and include pedestrian-friendly designs for streets that link neighborhoods to through routes. These policies are carried forward as part of the master plan. The Maryland 355 bypass is recommended in the transportation um, facility in both the 1994 Clarksburg master plan and Hydestown special study area and the 2014 10 Mile Creek Limited Amendment to provide a joint highway and transit way to carry through traffic around the Clarksburg Historic District that is highlighted in orange in this image on this slide. The proposed alignments running to the southeast of the district are intended to minimize impacts to the Historic District by alleviating the need to widen Maryland 355 beyond its current two-lane configuration. Earlier transportation studies have been su have suggested that future traffic volumes would well exceed the capacity of Frederick Road through this corridor, necessitating additional capacity. Additional, additionally, early studies for the Quarter City's transitway and known as the CCT were to see the line extend through Clarksburg along Maryland 355 corridor to terminate beyond the county line to the north. Though this alignment was never pursued beyond the initial study with the existing plans for the CCT now terminating a mile south of the subject property. Several, several alignments, excuse me, are alluded to sometimes in language conflicted with the illustrated maps, but not explicitly recommended. Both the 1994 plan and the 2014 master plan left the specific alignment of the bypass open-ended. The master plan instead recommends alignments to be studied as part of an area-wide facility plan with the intent to identify and avoid wetland impacts, determine appropriate right-of-way dedication, accommodate bus rapid transit, and provide access to developable properties. The authorship and responsibility of the facility plan is not specified, and to date, no large-scale study has been conducted. Although this facility plan has not been prepared as of the date of this report, there these items were considered and analyzed based on the available information as part of staff's recommendations. 
more detailed analysis and a final determination of the bypass alignment is expected to occur during the review of any subsequent regulatory applications or larger scale public projects. This preliminary plan focuses on a limited portion of the alignment through the Miles Coppola property from Gateway Center Drive to Maryland 355. The proposed future bypass alignment provides adequate right-of-way dedication to accommodate a future dedicated transit way, CCT, or any other potential future route that otherwise would not be able to fit within the existing constrained Frederick Road right-of-way through the historic district. The applicant will provide a plan for the road dedication that can accommodate the ultimate alignments for either option one or option two. Additionally, the applicant will provide dedication for potential extension of observation drive from the southeast in case the future public bypass project utilizes that alignment, in addition to the gateway center drive alignment. And for the record, I'm Chris Van Austin with Upcounty Planning. Uh, staff will begin with our preferred alignment out of two potential options, uh, which is option two seen here in red. Both options generally follow the same alignment as an extension of Gateway Center Drive via Clarksburg Road, as seen within the blue rectangle. But in op option two, the road would intersect Frederick Road further in the northwest of the property. This is approximately 1,200 feet to the northwest of the existing Clarksburg Road-Frederick Road intersection, as opposed to the 600 feet separation for option one. The bypass alignment under this option is located entirely within the subject property from Clarksburg Road. Overall, this option is preferred as road connection can be built up front and will by place the bypass further from the center of the Clarksburg Historic District. As mentioned in the report and as conditioned, a complete road connection must be provided with full design details of the road to be determined as part of the pre preliminary plan. The 2014 10 Mile Creek uh, Limited Amendment Master Plan provides guidance to intersect the bypass with 355 at a point approximately 0.3 miles to the north of the intersection with Clarksburg Road. This location is just north of the new fire station. The general alignment uh, was proposed to limit both impacts to the streams and wetlands, provide pedestrian connections to the historic district, and provide for bus rapid transit and transit station. Since determining the specific road alignment was beyond the scope of the 10 mile Master Creek plan and outside the, the 10 mile Creek boundaries, they called for a facility plan to determine the specific alignment. As proposed, option two generally conforms the, for the options shown in the master plan with the exception of the intersection with 355 to the northwest of the property, which is slightly to the north of the 0.3 mile recommendation. Right away will nevertheless be provided to meet the full master plan cross section of the bypass including width to accommodate dedicated transit way. The majority of this alignment follows uh, option one, except in areas where the connection bends the northwest area of the, of the subject property and is made with Frederick Road, which is highlighted in red in the image here. Instead of the alignment running through uh, offsite properties outlining in, in yellow in this image, the alignment continues entirely within subject property. Therefore, the ability to build the bypass will not be hindered by offsite property acquisition. Option two will also accommodate a full vehicular and pedestrian connection across the subject property and accommodate the full cross-section of a bypass. The proposed intersection with Frederick Road will be approximately 1,200 feet to the north of the Frederick Road-Clarksburg Road intersection, which is roughly twice the distance as provided by option one, placing the intersection further away from the historic downtown, uh, sorry, historic district, as is located near the outer edge under this option. In addition, this connection is more centrally located between uh, the two existing signalized intersections at Stone Farm Parkway to the north and Clarksburg Road to the south. If designed and built, this alignment would be adequate to support all, uh, all planned public uh, infrastructure. 
The applicant uh, prepared a cursory uh, analysis of environmental impacts for the two proposed alignments. The analysis was based on environmental features as identified in the approved NRI FSD, the Miles Copeland property. This slide illustrates the impacts uh, to the wetland buffer, stream buffer, and forest based on the alignment of option two. Option two intersects Frederick Road at the Miles Copeland property boundary and analysis does not include offsite impacts. In comparing the two alignments, uh, which will be done uh, a little bit further, emphasis is on the, the final portion of the connection to Frederick Road as the majority of the alignment follows the same path to the subject property for both options. Option two has shown uh, results in greater environmental impacts to the stream and wetland buffers and forester sources than option one, mostly due to the increased length and access to Frederick Road and wetland area. As conditioned, additional environmental details will be provided by the applicant that will be further analyzed and reviewed by staff as part of the future preliminary plan to minimize environmental impacts. This includes cut and fill, grading, and stream and wetland impacts. And on to option one, uh, the applicant proposes uh, an extension of Gateway Center Drive via, proportion, via a portion of Clarksburg Road, as, as we discussed in option two, uh, continuing through the subject property as shown in blue. The MD-355 bypass would intersect uh, Frederick Road approximately 650 feet to the northwest of the existing Clarksburg Road, Frederick Road intersection, and immediately adjacent to the, to the new fire station. Uh, that, that new fire station is uh, uh, being pointed to on screen. Importantly, the section of the bypass is, uh, uh, in, is uh, through one or more properties that are not in control of the applicant. Uh, such an alignment would require additional land acquisition or at least partnership with the adjacent landowners. Staff is, a, is conditioning a full vehicular connection to be completed but to provide proper fire access and adequate community connectivity for the application. Without uh, land acquisition, a vehicular connection to MD, MD55 is not feasible for option one as part of this application. However, uh, should this land be acquired and the applicant be allowed to construct a road connection, uh, option one can be an acceptable alternative to option two, so long as a full vehicular connection is made. As mentioned, the, the 2015, uh, 2014 10 Mile Creek Plan provides a specific guidance to intersection bypass at a point, point 0.3 miles north of the intersection with uh, Clarksburg Road. As proposed, option one conforms uh, uh, more precisely to this master plan guidance. Under option one, uh, the portion of the bypass at the intersection of Frederick Road is located outside the subject property. This would therefore add a significant hurdle to implementing this portion of the alignment. As shown in this image, the bypass was, is anticipated immediately adjacent to the future fire station. To accommodate a full master plan right away of 130 feet, two properties would ultimately, ultimately need to be acquired to support that, that bypass. This image shows the two offsite properties west of the future fire station that will uh, require future land acquisition to accommodate the, the alignment. Property west of the future fire station is currently vacant and highlighted in yellow. The other property is improved uh, with a single-family detached house and highlighted in orange. As discussed in the report, the applicant has not expressed interest in acquiring these properties and prefers the county acquire the vacant property either for non-payment of taxes or through an uncontested condemnation process. At this time, there are no plans for the county to actually acquire these properties. As proposed by this application, the option would not be able to support the bypass in the necessary time frame. It is unclear how the applicant would achieve a secondary road connection for fire access without further impacting environmentally sensitive areas along the subject property. However, this option is conditionally acceptable, as mentioned, should this land be acquired and the applicant demonstrate that a full vehicular road connection be, be constructed. 
The proposed intersection with Frederick Road uh, would be approximately 600 feet north of the Frederick Road, Clarksburg Road uh, Road intersection within acceptable SHA intersection spacing guidelines. In comparison with option two, this intersection will be approximately 600 feet closer to the existing intersection, which is more central to the historic district as compared to option two. MCDOT has uh, also expressed some concern that this intersection location may not meet site distance requirements due to the uh, presence of a crest in the roadway immediately to the south. However, at present, no, no study has been conducted. Regardless of uh, the options selected, uh, site distance analysis will be required as part of the preliminary plan application. Uh, as for the environmental aspects, as with option two, the applicant provided a cursor analysis based on uh, features identified in the NRIFSD. This slide illustrates the impacts to the wetland buffer, stream buffer, and forest based on the alignment of option one. This does not include environmental impacts to the offset properties that would be uh, part of the condition, part of the condition connection from Myoscopic properties to Frederick Road. Again, those, those two properties that we had just talked about uh, that, that are required for to be acquired. Uh, there are no new streams or wetlands uh, on these properties, uh, and the stream and wetland buffers do not extend to these properties. That, so the, uh, the impacts will be limited to, to forest removal. Based on the applicant's assessment of the environmental impacts of the stream buffers, wetland buffers, and forest resources, option one results in fewer environmental impacts than option two. The main difference in the amount of impact is due to the increased length of option one uh, sorry, the increased length of option two versus option one and the location of the intersection of the bypass with Frederick Road for option two and the stream valley buffer uh, within the, the Miles Coppola property. Keep in mind that this analysis does not include additional impacts to offsite forest that will be necessary to complete the connection of the bypass to Frederick Road that would be required for option one. This analysis also does not uh, include detailed analysis of the wetlands and streams uh, that will be required for a future evaluation. Additionally, uh, future evaluation will be required for more detailed, more detailed analysis of the design of the road and consider grading, which will be a significant aspect given the steep topography of the stream valleys. Uh, I will now hand this back to, to Angelica to, to close out the presentation. Thank you, Chris. Again, for the record, Angelica Gonzalez. As of the date of the staff report, staff did receive correspondence from the Friends of Ten Mile Creek on items listed here. As discussed in the letter, the Friends of Ten Mile Creek have expressed option one is the preferred alignment since this option will result in less environmental impacts for the master plan. Staff is aware of the environmental impacts of option two. However, as discussed in this presentation, construction of an alignment is secured under this option. Also as conditioned additional environmental details will be provided by the applicant that will be further analyzed and reviewed by staff as part of the future preliminary plan to minimize environmental impacts. For clarification, staff is also supportive of option one if the applicant can ensure construction on land which they currently have no control. We'd also like to acknowledge that staff conducted a preliminary analysis of additional alignments that were not included as part of the presentation. This, though this analysis, we found that the two options outlined in this presentation results in the least amount of environmental impacts and are also feasible. The community also expressed that a comprehensive facility plan should be conducted by MNCPPC planners, Montgomery County Department of Transportation and Montgomery County Department of Environmental Protection to determine how the bypass alignment affects surrounding properties upon which the alignment must traverse and take into account broader community, environmental and transportation impacts, both east and west of the Clarksburg Road. Staff understands the community's concern 
As discussed in the report, the master plan did not finalize the alignment for the Maryland 355 bypass, but deferred to a later study, specifically recommending a facility plan. However, to date, no large-scale study on the alignment has been conducted, leaving the alignment through this portion of Clarksburg to be determined as part of the development of the subject property. While the master plan suggested that the bypass alignment should be studied through a facility plan when the Miles Coppola property develops, the authorship of the study is not specified. The facility plans are typically required for public projects once they are added to the six-year CIP schedule. Since the anticipated development of the subject property is preceding any public process for the bypass, applicable agencies have been studying the alignments of the bypass presented by the applicant as part of the pre-preliminary plan through the typical development review process. Two options have been studied for the northern connection of Maryland 355 bypass to Frederick Road. Staff is recommending option two is the preferred alignment. Although option two has greater environmental impacts, it secures a connection to Maryland 355. It also provides greater intersection spacing from the intersection of Maryland 355 and Clarksburg Road and places the intersection excuse me, and places the intersection on 350, Maryland 355 further west at the edge of the historic district. The two options were also reviewed by the Maryland State Highway Administration and the Montgomery County Department of Transportation. Um, Department, uh, excuse me, the State Highway Administration has expressed support of both alignments while the Department of Transportation and the Department of General Services have confirmed their support for option two. Therefore, staff recommends that the applicant proceed with alignment option two. Uh, therefore, staff supports the submission of a preliminary plan and recommends option two for the future Maryland 355 bypass alignment with conditions referenced in pre-preliminary plan number 7-2021-0010. Again, option one is also acceptable if the applicant can ensure construction on land which they currently have no control. That concludes staff's presentation and staff is available to answer any questions that you may have. Thank you. Thank you for that presentation. Uh, I think we got Bob Harris for the applicant. Mr. Harris, did you want to say anything before we take questions or comments from the board? Yes, please. Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Chairman, members of the board. For the record, Bob Harris with Lurch Early Brewer. Uh, Chris Maynard with Brookfield Homes is on the call as well as Soltes people. Um, the staff has given you a lot here, but I want to simplify it really because I think your role today is really quite simple. Um, as staff has indicated, we're going to be coming back with a preliminary plan that does a whole lot of stuff that isn't even on the table today. Today is simply to identify the various right-of-way options for a potential future bypass. And let me be perfectly clear, we don't care which of the options, options one or two, it is. Uh, and I don't believe the planning board needs to select one or the other today. We are prepared to dedicate all of the land for all of the options so that the county at the proper time if and when they decide to go forward with a bypass here can build it under any of the options and so we're not standing in the way of it but uh, we don't want it to stand in the way of what we want to do um, clarksburg has been 
a very important uh, housing resource for the county uh, because it provides a, just a diverse type of housing in a more more affordable environment than some down county areas. And it has really served this important housing need in the county. Uh, that continues and we are anxious to be uh, part of that. This site is part of the area designated as the Clarksburg Town Center. And so it has always de been deemed an important contribution to Clarksburg. Um, as, as some of you know better than others because you were involved, the site and others were downzoned in 2014 under the 10 Mile Creek plan. And that plan requires now 80% of the site be protected as rural open space and imposes a maximum of 15% impervious cover. We all will be submitting a plan that complies completely with those requirements, and we will meet all of the environmental uh, requirements that are, apply. Um, Mr. Harris, can I, yes, uh, I'm sorry, I maybe you said this and I just missed it, but uh, does your client control the property necessary to de dedicate for option one? No, uh, let me clarify. No, you've, uh, you just had to slide up there. Thank you. We do not control the piece that's where the blue arrow bends there. Uh, we are talking with the county attorney about the, the county acquiring that because there appears to be no ownership. We call it an orphan parcel, and we're working with them about that. So today, that alignment could not be built. But Neither can the entire bypass be built because there's a whole lot of other right away to the right on this plan that hasn't been acquired yet either. We're simply trying to dedicate all of the potential right away on our property that would be required for any of the options. Okay. So, well, I, yeah, I don't, and I don't mean to cut you off, but it seems to me like maybe we could cut to the chase here because the staff is not is not objecting to option one, but they're just basically saying, look. Since you don't control it, um, we don't really want to be left hanging. So I wonder if we, unless somebody on the board has some reason why they prefer one or the other, or, or the staff can tell me why we should not uh, leave the option open. I don't know why we wouldn't approve this pre-preliminary plan with a condition that says that you have to dedicate uh, one or the other. Is that, why is that not an option? Am I missing something? We don't have a problem with that. Technically, it wouldn't be dedicating the other, but we would have to work with the county to acquire the other. Again, we're not trying to paint anybody into a corner. We don't care about which yeah, option okay. it is. We want to provide for both. Well, let me so just that, ask that, Angelica, are you still there? Can you tell me if, if, why, why we couldn't do something like that? Is that a bad idea? The concern that staff has is at this point, um, land acquisition is, is not supported at this time. So, I not I not supported. You mean you don't think it's a good idea, or it's just not happened? Well, it's not happening at this time. So, when looking at you know the the priorities or, or the three items that we've looked at, such as the intersection spacing or the buildability of it, it's unclear when this property will be acquired. So, um, it it left it leaves an indefinite amount of time, so that it's unclear when that segment will be constructed for the future bypass uh, well okay then could we do something like make this time limited and say the that the board's uh, expectation is they're either going to dedicate for option two or they're going to acquire and uh, 
for and convey control of the land necessary for option one by a date certain or by the time they submit their preliminary plan or the time they get a building permit or something like that. Could, could I just add in one one point? I, I think what Bob Harris said is that they're willing to dedicate all the land needed for either option, option one or option two. And in a sense that puts off the decision about which road alignment will actually be built. The problem that comes in is, and, and that could, that decision could go on for, you know, many years and there could be discussion about it for a long time. The, the problem that comes in is that, and the reason that the applicant is here today, is that they want to build a subdivision. And that subdivision has a fairly large number of houses. And we believe that it needs, and I think the fire department believes that it needs two points of access that you couldn't just access it off Clarksburg Road and have a dead end or a, a cul-de-sac of some sort waiting for the decision on where the connection to 355 would be. That when this actually comes in and houses are planned, that there will need to be both for connectivity and for fire access there will need to be a connection that takes you all the way through from Clarksburg Road to 355. Okay, I understand why you can't wait until after they build the subdivision. I'm just asking why you can't wait until they get a building permit or until they, you know, whatever. I, I, I'm not understanding why we couldn't just limit it. Mr. Chair, maybe I can clarify that because we're, we're getting wrapped around the axle on this. I'm telling you, we're going to dedicate all of the right of way that we control that enables any option. But there's no need to be making a decision anytime soon on which where the bypass will go. The bypass is not programmed anywhere. In fact, to be honest with you, I question whether the bypass will ever be built. Um, you know, it was recommended almost 30 years ago at a time when Clarksburg was going to be way different than it is now. We've done traffic studies and Route 355 to Clarksburg Road, it's a level of service C even with all of the development that has occurred in Clarksburg. So okay, okay, I, I get, yeah, I, I get it, and, I, and Mr. Harris, I think I'm agreeing with you, but I think it, I'm trying to keep it to what we do need to decide, and one of the things we don't need to decide is how it'll be programmed in the capital budget. I, my suggestion would be that since what, I'm mean, gonna just take what you said, which is, uh, the, that the board should approve a pre-preliminary plan application that says you're required to dedicate the land necessary for option two, and that at the time of preliminary plan that we, we would be willing to entertain the possibility of building it in the, on the land that's called for in option one. But in either case, there would be a dedication. Is that satisfactory? That is the, uh, but let me uh, at the risk. I was of I was hoping you would just take yes for an answer. That would be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, I don't want confusion when we come back to you with the preliminary plan. The 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 
given the embryonic nature of the planning for this road, um, <clears throat> other than dedicating all of the right-of-way for it, we don't think it's our obligation to begin engineering the road. And the conditions that, with all due respect, DOT has suggested and have gotten incorporated into these conditions suggest that after today, we're going to then have to launch into engineering the bypass. And that just doesn't seem to me to be prudent at this time, uh, given that it may not be built. And when it does, it's a county project, not ours. And, right. and so we're willing to give you all the right away. That should be the end of the discussion. Well, okay, then it seems to me that we're, I thought that we were all in agreement that the scope of the decision today is where will it be, not how will it, will it be built or who will pay for it, right? Everybody, yes, everybody's yes, nodding sir. their head. So I think we could just say our decision is we approve this pre-preliminary plan application with dedication of land for option two and also include the proviso that if uh, the preliminary plan comes in with a uh, conveyance or dedication of land that works for option one, that would be uh, also acceptable. And at the time of preliminary plan, we will have a discussion about whether or how much you should be required to contribute towards the construction of the road. Right? That, that, I, agree. I see yeah, lots of yeah, nodding, yeah. which is really good. Uh, does do any board members have any problem with this? Uh, uh, Jerry Sushi, I just, I'm not objecting to any of that. I just have a couple of questions. Been involved in the area in a long time. And I guess I saw the bypass as a county project. Uh, when I was there at MC, we did a couple uh, projects. Uh, and the, the thing that MTA would never do after $39 million study was I always asked them to, you know, is it MTA? I said, go to town center. It's a place where you can walk and bike. And they wouldn't do it. They'd go stay to the south side with the park and ride lot. But uh, there's an option three that shows very lightly on the plan. And that is for the this uh, western bypass to go all the way up to uh, Snowden Mill Road. That gray line shows on the plans that were presented by staff. So is that totally out of the picture? That's just a question that you'd have an intersection with at 355 with uh, Snowden Mill Parkway. At one time, to me, that was in the plan, uh, built I, and a project built by MCDOT. Commissioner CTE, this is Robert Cronenberg. I believe that yeah. was updated with the uh, Ten Mile Creek plan. And that was originally in the 94 plan that did connect a little further up, but in the 2014 10 Mile Creek plan, if I'm not mistaken, that was changed to be further south as okay, what we're showing so here. Okay, so it doesn't connect with Snow Mill. Right. Okay. And then just on this sketch here, you, there's a little, uh, little small triangle that uh, winds up in the red zone that is part of that uh, property for option one. So. Uh, I suppose that's not, but I guess as proposed that uh, I'm fine with the chairman's comments to go in that direction. Uh, one last question. How about Clarksburg Road? Is that to be remained open even if this bypass is constructed from the bypass to 355 or would that be closed? 
from the standpoint of, of the overall master plan at this time? Uh, Patrick Weller, for the record, it'd still be open. Okay. It'd still be Thank open. Okay. Uh, are there any other questions or comments? Yes, thank you, Chair. I did have a question. Um, my question is, uh, good afternoon, um, Mr. Harris. My question is actually for Director Wright. I thought you were about to say something earlier, and I'd like to hear the rest of your statement, please. Um, I, I think I um, pretty much said my piece. I, I, I think the main uh, point I was wanting to make is that I think it is important to get the land dedicated for both options when we do get to the point of actually seeing a preliminary plan for this property it is going to be very important to not just have that connection to 355 in theory but to have it in reality okay yeah. okay thank you and i heard my my co Commissioner say he goes for that as well. Um, Mr. Harris, I think I, I heard you indicate that um, you and your client are open to either one of these options. Is that true? Yes, that's correct. Okay. All right. And when you come back, um, you would still be open to that? I, I, I'll be transparent. I, I like option one. Um, not that that is going to make you change your mind one way or another, but I just want to get a sense of um, when you come back, what what are you thinking? That you would entertain this again, as the chairs indicated, or come back with reasons why one option versus another would would or would not work? My expectation is that both options will remain open until the bypass is built, at which time someone will select one or the other. We may, in the meantime, as um, uh, as the planning director is indicating, have to construct some kind of access for our property short of a bypass construction but we have no intention of stopping the bypass um, and and you know we want the county to decide which option is best when the county is ready to build it okay got it and i, I and you are open to what the directors indicated regarding public safety access yes uh, okay it will be phased in as we build the project. Uh, we understand what they've been telling us. Yes. Okay. Got it. Thank you, Mr. Harris. Thank you, Director. Uh, Jerry, so I have one more question. The firehouse property, will it have uh, a back entrance off this proposed bypass, the blue line or the red line? Is that something that's considered from staff point this of view? Torah from DOT. Um, I spoke to DGS, and um, actually, they were originally considering it with option one of having a side entrance, um, but there's significant grade, and there's actually a forest conservation easement on their property, um, and, there, um, and they didn't want to deal with the unknown, the property, the orphan property, so there is a retaining wall. So at this point, they are not considering any access from the, to this road. Great. Thank you. Okay, if there are no other questions or comments, uh, a motion would be in order. Oh, Jerry Sushi, I'll make that motion and uh, as recommended to keep both uh, red and blue open. So I'm gonna take that motion as being required dedication for option two. 
but provide that if the land for option one is uh, under the control of the applicant, uh, that that would be an acceptable alternative at the time of uh, preliminary plan. Is that right? Great. Thank you for better defining that. Yes. Thank you. Is there a second? Without Roma, second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? That is approved. Uh, I'm not sure if we're quite ready to start that CIP item. Anyone? Okay, thank you, folks. Thank you. I uh, tell you what, let's just take a 10 minute break. So we'll start that other, that last item at six o'clock sharp. Okay. See you all okay. soon. Thank you.
Okay, we're ready for the last uh, item, which is the Park CIP forum. And I uh, believe we have Carl Morgan here to describe the purposes of this get together. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, as part of the um, CIP development for the next upcoming CIP, we try different means of reaching out to people and uh, hearing what the residents of Montgomery County are interested in. And um, then in our next strategy session, we take that feedback, we summarize it and present it um, to the planning board. Now, I, while I'd like to uh, report that while we have this forum, there are other means that we use for reaching out uh, to the public as well. And so our um, department has been helpful in getting out an open town hall topic on our website uh, that actually will remain open for another week after this forum. Uh, it's so there's an opportunity for people to go online and add additional comments. And because that also is open for another week, um, if it's okay with the chair, I would be happy to receive additional emails and letters. Um, up to this point, while we have seven speakers this evening, um, our open town hall uh, has had about 37 uh, respondents uh, responses this up to now, and uh, we've had another 32 emails and letters come in. So um, we're, we're getting a bit of a response and hopefully that will continue through the next week. And uh, I guess in terms of this evening, as this is a public forum and not a, necessarily a public hearing in terms of the formal sense, meaning that it's, a, it's not a statutory requirement and part of the CIP process. So it's an opportunity for us to kind of uh, sit back and listen to what the, the residents of Montgomery County have to say and uh, Tell us what's important to them. So I'm really grateful for those that uh, signed up tonight. We're looking forward to hearing your comments. PC, we can hear you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we hear you. Go ahead. Is this any better? Yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you well. Hold on. Is that better? Yes, we hear you. Okay, great. So I was just saying I'm going to ask the chair's office to forward any other written materials we get from people who uh, didn't make it to testify tonight. If we get it uh, in the chair's office, I'll have it forwarded to the board so they'll have that for their information as we consider the capital budget. Uh, and with that, I think we're ready to turn to uh, Kathy Kircher from Friends of Brookside Gardens. Are you there, Ms. Kircher? Ah, there it's on. Okay. Um, good evening, Chair, and I, let me see if I can get it so I can show up in the monitor. Uh, Chairman Anderson and members of the, of the planning board, good evening. I'm Kathy Kircher, as I was introduced, and I'm currently president of Friends of Brookside Gardens. I think I've spoken to you a couple times in the distant past uh, in, in uh, support of Brookside. 
So Brookside has a thousand members, and we Friends of Brookside has a thousand members, and we raise money to to supplement public funding for Brookside. We also advocate for Brookside and volunteer at Brookside. First, I'd like to take a minute and thank you, Planning Board and Parks people, for see that people desperately needed parks and access to the outdoors. And I want to thank you because you came through for us. You guys were lifesavers. So I can't thank you again. Tonight, I'm here to ask you to continue funding for Brookside Gardens CIP on the current timeline. The three projects in the CIP for Brookside replace up and update or update portions of the garden from when it first opened 52 years ago. A new conservatory, renovations to the core formal gardens to make them ADA compliant, and renewal of the Rose Garden to update failing infrastructure. These are the oldest parts of the garden. They're heavily used, they've got access problems, they're aging, and they're the least energy efficient parts of the garden. The conservatory really needs to be replaced, and it's showing its age. When it rains, it floods. The glass roof leaks, impacting visitors and the work of the gardeners. It has damage from the 2011 earthquake, and the physical plant is old and inefficient. The county needs a new, modern structure that meets today's requirements for garden space, for educational and community use, and for energy-efficient technology. The formal garden paths are very steep. Both paths and structures need repair and renewal. This summer, we saw many people who couldn't even get there. All the spaces at Brookside really should be accessible to all the visitors. The last project, the Rose Garden, it's one of the most popular places in the gardens, and it's beautiful at the moment. We all love the facets of hope exhibit in the garden, and we hope you got to go there and see it. But the structures and paths in this garden are deteriorating, and we want to keep it beautiful for the future. We all need Brookside Garden. It's a valuable and unique community and regional resource, and I know that you know that. These practical and necessary projects are needed now. They will help keep Brookside Gardens vibrant for the future residents and help us be a stronger community. Please fully fund them now. Thank you. Thank you very much for that testimony. Is Kay Taub there? Unmute. Okay. You can hear me? Yes, Hi. we hear you. Thank you. Um, thank you, Commissioner Anderson and the Planning Board. Uh, I know you know how important these these areas are. I'm going to speak to you in particular about Brookside Gardens. Um, I'm a 36-year resident of Montgomery County, and um, I am an entomologist. I used to curate the insect zoo at the Smithsonian and um, did programs after I left Smithsonian uh, called Incredible Insects. I went to schools. Uh, nature centers, including Brookside and Locust Grove, uh, and, and many other places, uh, connecting kids to the natural world. And I know how critical that is. 
Um, after I finished doing my program for 20 years, uh, I wanted to volunteer at Brookside Gardens because it was the favorite place for me to take my children when they were young, uh, especially the Nature Center. We did the grounds, we loved the grounds, but the Nature Center was where we spent our time. And it was where my kids, you know, it was a safe place for them. It was a place um, where they could see living things and how they thrive. And there were all different kinds of programs that we participated in at the Nature Center. And they, they did these programs. And it's the doing, the connecting, that really gets kids to understand how important these natural areas are, how important these nature centers are, so that we can build the knowledge so they can understand the importance of climate change. And that's so, as you know, just number one critical right now. We understand it. I've been screaming about it since 1974. Uh, but now people are like really getting it and we're seeing just terrible things happen to our environment. But we have to start with our kids. We have to connect them. They have to have a feeling about it. And then we can build for them to really understand why it's so important. And Brookside Nature Center really, really, really connects to kids, communities, uh, it's it's a safe place for people to go. It's a safe place for people to walk. And it's just so critical that this funding, you know, remain uh, for the center. Uh, I started volunteering and we created a, a little insect zoo in the nature center. There was a little room that really wasn't being used very much. So we found local insects and it was a great place for people to walk in and go, oh, I see this in my yard. Oh, this is in my garden. And, and we would take things out for kids to hold. And then COVID hit. And because it was local insects, we could let them go and not worry that they were gonna hurt the environment. But it was a sweet little exhibit that was just starting. And we were just doing it minimally with little tanks that we had. Uh, and of course, we would love to, to bring this back and, and put it in our nature center. Uh, um, um, with other programs too. And and Brookside's critical, but I think all of our nature centers in Montgomery County are critical. Brookside feels like my nature center, but uh, you know I think all of them do what Brookside does. And I've watched just groups of people walk through that nature center. And I just know what a difference it makes in these people's lives. I mean, they're, they're caregivers that bring kids and it's it's their spot, and and they know all the turtles, and they you know every week are looking at all the different animals, and and the staff is fabulous, and the volunteers are unbelievable, just unbelievable at Brookside. So I'm I just really hope that you will consider, you know, money for renovation for the nature center and to keep the support up because we have to have our kids understand how important these natural areas are so that they will care about our world. Thank you. Thank you very much for that uh, testimony. Uh, next up, we have Dominic Tamami and Francesca Ugolini. I hope I'm pronouncing those names correctly, but if I'm not, I'll apologize preemptively. Are you there? Yes, we're here. Can you see us and or hear us? Yes, yes we see you. Andy. Great, and you did pronounce our names correctly. 
it was um, luck. I, w I wish I could say better to be lucky than good sometimes, right? <laughs> right. Well, my son, Dominic, uh, has a presentation that he was going to give first tonight. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Dominic Tamami, and I'm a seventh grade grader at Herbert Hoover Middle School. I think the county should build a skate park in Potomac or Bethesda, and these are the reasons why. It would attract all skaters from the DMV, mainly people from Potomac or Bethesda community, to skate at an actual skate park and not skating in street spots, neighborhoods, near buildings, stores, restaurants, and more official places where people who have pa a passion for skating will get kicked out from or banned or in trouble. It would also reduce the problem of vandalism and damage towards property from the skateboards. And if there's a skate park meant for skateboarding all around the city where skateboards should be in the right place and time and reason. It will also bring happiness to skaters around Bethesda for the fact that they don't have to travel in car rides and have like long distance rides just to skate at a skate park, or, which is where skaters are, like, are supposed to be to improve and fulfill dreams and have a fun time. It will cause less stress to security guards and police management to deal with skaters and them getting hurt on property, which leads to the owners of the property being sued and the damage of the skateboard wheels. It would also reduce the effect of pedestrians getting hurt by skaters around bumping into them or bump, bumping into them or slipping out and making contact with their body. It will make the community speak loud and draw more, way more people to the area, even people who don't skate, just to come in and check out skaters around the DMV area and then just watch them or participate or maybe convincing new people and beginners to start skating more. Public transportation will also be used way more since I'm thinking that we will put the skate park in Bethesda area and multiple buses lead straight to that place. I'll also make skaters more relieved that there's a soft ground to skate on and not rough roads or sidewalks that have big cracks and they can trip on and their wheels get in bad condition. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was great. Good evening. Uh, My Sorry, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. My name is Francesca Ugolini. I'm um, Dominic's mother, and I am a lifelong Montgomery County resident. I have two teenagers who attend MCPS schools. And in the last few years, I've become sort of a skate park mom as my sons became interested in skateboarding. And I've driven them all over the DMV area in search of skate parks, and I run into a lot of parents doing the same thing. And we've run into many families from the Bethesda and Potomac area who share our dismay that there are no skate parks in our own area. The closest skate park to us is at Welsh Park in Rockville. And then the next closest one is at Olney Manor Park um, up in Olney. And there are no public transportation options from this area over to Olney. Um, we think there's a significant demand for a skate park in our area. Dominic started a petition back in March and he has over 300 signatures on the petition. Um, and in, in downtown Bethesda, there's a local skating shop called Bethesda Boards, and um, it's got a little plaza out front. I think it's called Woodmont Triangle. And on any given day, you'll see a group of teens skateboarding in the plaza right outside there. And in fact, the owner built a small skateboarding ramp inside his store just so the kids would have a place to skate. As Dominic indicated, without a designated place to skate, uh, teenagers end up skating where they can. They're in you know, shopping center parking lots, parking garages, school parking lots, and they're often getting kicked out of these places, but they aren't doing anything criminal. They're just trying to enjoy their hobby, and it's a great hobby. They're getting exercise, they're getting fresh air, and significantly, they are getting off their screens. 
but in the Potomac and Bethesda area, there is um, nowhere, no skating park. So there's no place that skating is both safe and welcome for teenagers. Um, in my experience, the skateboard also serves people beyond skateboarders, even though that's what my sons have preferred. When we've been out at the skate parks, there are um, small kids on scooters, there's other people on bikes, there's people on rollerblades. Skate parks draw a, a diverse group of boys, girls, kids, adults, people from all you know, ethnic and um, racial backgrounds. If you go to the only skate park sometime on a Saturday, you'll just see a wide variety of users all getting along, teaching each other tricks and enjoying the outdoors. My understanding is that um, the current long-term plans involve a proposal to build a skate park in Bethesda, and we just want to express our wholehearted support for that idea. Dominic has several teenage friends who I know wanted to speak tonight but weren't able to sign up, but we'll be sharing the, um, the public comment link with them, so hopefully they'll have a chance to chime in as well. Thanks so much for the, the chance to speak tonight. Very good, thanks very much. Uh, next up, we have Eileen Finnegan. Ms. Finnegan, are you there? Yes, hello. Uh, I am Eileen Finnegan, and I'm very pleased to speak to the commission tonight. If the staff would put up my first graphic. Can you hear me? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yes. Thank you. Uh, I want to thank the Parks Department and the commissioners for continuing to support the long overdue renovations to the Hillendale Local Park. This project is decades in the making. Hopefully it will be completed in 2022 or will it be 2023? I don't know. As the final design is completed, permits pulled, and the project is put out for bid later this year, I urge parks to include the following. First, an irrigation system for the rectangular field. The field has high usage and keeping the turf in good state of play is very much desired. Water is part of turf management. Uh, I'd also like to advocate for some additional park benches along the hard surface trail and actually one or two along the natural surface trail in the wooded area. And most importantly, a safety audit of the mid-block entrance exit on New Hampshire Avenue across from Rodney Road is needed. The original 2014 plan moved this access point to the south, but that is not agreed to by FHA recently. In keeping, with, in keeping the original mid-block entrance, there must be a physical design to eliminate left turns into and out of the park. This location is known to be a major crash site. So I do urge a safety audit for that location. If you'd please put up the second graphic. But tonight I wanna to advocate for a future Hillendale Local Park upgrade. We need two diamond ball fields. As you may know, ball fields are in short supply and are needed in the county in many places. I believe that the renovated Hillendale Local Park will have sufficient amenities to support adding two fields to the park in the near future. Currently, and for the past 75 years, Hillendale has had two diamond ball fields, and you can see the aerial photo on the left-hand side. Uh, however, in the redesign of the park, there were environmental issues 
and also the need for frontage improvement and parking. So the space for these two fields was reduced and would only accommodate a single quality rectangle field. Many of the current users of the diamond fields will be out of luck when the renovated park reopens. Many youth ball players and adult softball leagues will be greatly disappointed that Hillendale will not be supporting their sports. The solution is straightforward to this problem. Please ask for a small piece of the unused federal property at the northern edge of the park. GSE, GSA even made note of this possibility in the 2018 FDA Master Plan report. GSA has a process to transfer unused properties to local government, but now is the critical time for parks to make a request. The reason for the immediate action is that GSA is currently proposing unused property for sale or transfer through the Public Building Reform Board. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Mr. Winston is part of it. The PBRB, using the Federal Asset Sale and Transfer Act, known as FASTA, will be preparing a new, much bigger round of land transfers in the near future. Now is the time for the Commission to ask GSA for the land adjacent to Hillendale Park and short circuit the PBRB process with a direct request to GSA. I would think that there are other land uses of land from the Federal Research Center, which could be included, including land for the proposed Montgomery College. In closing, I want to reiterate thanks to the Parks Department and Planning Board for moving Hillendale Local Park forward, but let's take advantage of the quality amenities that are being added to Hillendale and get this extra land so that we can have two diamond ball fields to support the growth of the area. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Ms. Finnegan. Uh, next up, we have Allison Gillespie. Are you there, Ms. Gillespie? Yes, I'm here. Um, I have two items that I hope I would like to talk about possibly having funded in the next budget cycle. Um, the first is Wheaton Regional Park upgrades. Um, for the, the many months of the last year, I've been working on the Wheaton Regional Park work group, and I'm really excited by what the park staff and the planning staff have, have come up with. Um, lots and lots of really great ideas that will have a lot of upgrades, features the community desperately needs, lots of pieces of connectivity, um, I think the park will be much better integrated if the plan is followed into the community. Um, there's lots of possible bike infrastructure upgrades and lots of ways for people to get active in, in the park if those improvements are, are come through. Um, but they're going to need funding, and we really need to make sure that, that they happen. Um, I think it's a really great example of the very essence of what's in Thrive 2050, Almost everything that's in that park plan reads like a chapter from Thrive 2050. And the, the staff has really done such a fantastic job with it. I'd, I'd really like to see it get the funding that it needs. The second item also comes from a group I've been working with in the county. Um, and that is, I'd like to ask that we get uh, some funding for bike racks throughout our county parks. 
I've been working with a group that includes park staff, council member staff, Department of Transportation and MCPS staff, as well as advocates, we all recognized that it's really hard to find a place to lock your bike up in this county. Strangely hard for a county that loves bikes as much as we do, and especially since we're putting in a huge bike network, um, bike lane network. Um, it's really like a critical lack of bike parking in a lot of places, but particularly noticing it in parks um, when we looked at the data, only 79 of 420 some parks, only 79 were, were noted to have adequate bike parking or bike racks. Um, that's, you know, bike, bike parking, if, it's, if there isn't an adequate place to put your bike, often what happens is ADA accessibility features like ramps get blocked by bikes. Um, and often people in the less uh, in, in neighborhoods that are low income, the, having a bike stolen is a much bigger deal. So it, it can become an equity focus issue. Um, the bike master plan includes a really good standards guide for bike racks, includes siting and what to purchase and what can be done. It's just a matter of making sure that we put the money behind it. And I, I would love to see us over time make sure that not only the parks that are getting refurbished, but all the parks, all 420 some of our parks have at least one bike rack, if not several. Um, that's it for me. Thanks for considering these two ideas. Uh, Jerry Sishi, I would support that. I think I've mentioned that in one of my, my first or second meeting in my first term. So I, I think that's great that you, you secure your bike, then you can enjoy all the amenities in the park without worrying about it. That great, great, recommendation. Okay, thank you for the testimony. Is uh, Ray Heinzman there? I am. Good evening, everybody. Uh, thank you, Planning Board, for this opportunity to speak here today. My name is Ray Heinzman. I live on Brisbane Street in Silver Spring, and I am passionate about trails. Trails are very important to my life, my community, and my family. My presentation this evening is to ask to continue supporting them in the upcoming CIP. And I also want to voice my support for the Wheaton Regional Park Master Plan, as I too had the pleasure of being a part of the working group, as well as supporting the more equitable distribution of skate park and bike park access. I thank you, young man, for, for voicing that earlier. Um, paved trails provide the opportunity for my kids and I to travel without a car. When we go to the pool, to school, to grocery shop or to get donuts, we use Sligo Creek Trail and other neighborhood connectors. This is good for our health, good for our environment, and it creates fun, adventurous experiences. I also started an ice cream ride utilizing Sligo Creek Trail. It encourages youngsters to ride their bikes with an ice cream reward and helps them learn how to use the paved path in a courteous manner. Natural surface trails create opportunities for connecting with nature. Their uneven elevation changing terrain raises our fitness level and contribute, contributes to feelings of achievement. The S'mores Mountain Bike Rides bring parents and their children together for weekly adventures. When the Northwest Branch Trail opened to mountain bikes a few years ago, I jumped at the opportunity to volunteer to improve it. Being able to participate in my favorite outdoor activity, mountain biking, without having to load my car up with gear and drive across the county in rush hour, has brought me serenity, closeness with nature, and opportunities for overcoming physical challenges. We are very fortunate to have such great paved and natural surface trails in Montgomery County. With the combined leadership of Montgomery Parks and the effort of great community volunteers like my mountain biking club more, new trails are being built and old trails are maintained. However, as fortunate as we are, there's always room for improvement. 
With continued and increased CIP funding, we can solve equity issues to access and create more car-free connectivity, reducing pollution. By continuing to evaluate existing conditions, we can rectify where some communities don't have access to nature or the ability to get donuts without driving. Trails are good for our physical health, our mental health, our environment, and our community. Dollar for dollar, no other park amenity brings a higher return. Thank you. Donuts without driving, that sounds revolutionary. <laughs> Thank you for that testimony. Uh, and I think that concludes our uh, public hearing. So with that, uh, I want to emphasize that this is unlike uh, the usual public hearing where we close the record. You can continue to uh, send us your input on town hall or by email uh, or all the other usual ways you get in touch with uh, us and our staffs. And we encourage you to continue to um, weigh in and participate as we develop the next uh, capital budget. So with that, thanks everybody for participating and we'll uh, see you soon. Take care, everyone. Thank Bye. you.